rebuilding job. Energy. You know, glad to see you. Hello. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. I've got Todd and Scott here with me today to talk about, uh, well, I don't really know what it is we're going to talk about, but something happened in Portugal and we're going to discuss it. Uh, I'll first throw it over to the Todd father at TC underscore show. Todd, how's it going, man? Good, man. Any day you get to talk about Spurs is a good day, even when they lose. Because, um, hello, this is a professional sport and you don't win every fucking game. Calm down. I thought uh, that after City happened, we were just going to run, you know, run the Premier League and run the Europa Conference League and win everything. You're, you're telling me that's not the case? Um, I mean, maybe, but uh, <laughs> no, it, it, listen, this is uh, this is a situation where you played the kids. And sometimes when you play the kids, um, they get out uh, something in the prof- at the professional level. And we'll come on to that a little bit later, but they got out something today did our kids. And uh so that's kind of my perspective. I've also got Scott here with me at DSM Spurs. He's back with us uh because we know that he only shows up for the cup, not for the league. He doesn't care about the league. Uh we yep. talked about that in our last episode. <laughs> uh Scott, how are you this afternoon? I'm I'm great, man. It was a cup today and and we all know that cups are what we turn up for. It's when the beards are flowing and, and whatnot, you know, uh, when we're not working, my knee, let me get that on the air. But, um, but no, it was, it was a cup day, so exciting. But I will also say this, as Tottenham fans in the last decade, we have become very accustomed to unnecessarily losing in second-tier European competitions. So it's true. We've also kind become... of another day. We've also become accustomed to having to watch our team on dodgy streams over here in the U.S. because the game isn't even on a broadcast, which is a whole other can of worms. That hundred uh, percent, yeah. Uh, but I have to get this out there before we move on. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of fucking around here, right? It's, it's all good. We'll, we'll get into it and we're fine. But you know, just, just an interesting day and a good chance to see the kids play. So, uh, up the cups. It, it, it's true. Uh, before we get into this game. Uh, later on in the podcast, I talked to Paul from the whole lot of wolves podcast to preview this weekend's matchup with wolves. Uh, so you'll hear that uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, that was a good chat we had. And, uh, I also appeared on their podcast er- earlier in the week to preview it from, from their side. So if you want to go check that out, that is already out there in the world as well. Um, Pasos de Ferreira is first leg, uh, a, a whole new 11 for Spurs. We got Galini in goal. We got a back five. Back three, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Sessignon and Darty as wingbacks. We got Davis, Romero, Carter Vickers as the center backs. Niall John getting a start. Giovanni Lacelso thrown in there with Harry Winks. Uh, Brian Heal and Dane Scarlett up top. Um, Todd, I don't think this was a shock to anyone that, that they were going to fully rotate the 11. But obviously, when you lose 1-0 and you know that it didn't work out, um, I guess the immediate thought is, are there any regrets from from doing this? Obviously, this no. thing is not over. There's a second leg, but sure, whatever. You know, n- no regrets, right? No, not at all. I don't give a shit about this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I pff, get out of here. I got to watch Dane Scarlett wear number forty four on his back today. That was rad. Yep. 
I got to yeah. see Ryan Sessegnon actually play pretty well, despite the fact that he was surrounded by a sea of bullshit. Like yeah. I got to see, I got to see Nile John get a start. That was rad. You're not where are you going to see Nile John get a start? Is it going to be in the League Cup? No, right? Are you going to start him in the FA Cup? Probably not. Not so after not after the performance today, no. <laughs> I mean, certainly not. And you could probably say the same thing about Cameron Carter-Vickers. And Dane Scarlett certainly didn't light the fucking world on fire if you look at the way that he played today. Um, I, I, I said this at the jump, and I want to make sure that we talk about it, is that we got, we got fucking bullied by a bunch of professionals in, in, in Portugal that play, that play football for a living yeah, in a respectable league, and got fifth last year, mm-hmm. and they beat our children about the head and shoulders. They made Cudi Romero look silly on one play, and Cameron Carter Makers at the same time on one play, and Harry they, Winks. They and Harry Winks, uh, but they made him look silly a bunch of times today. That's a different conversation, Andrew. Um, they they made Galini look suspect on his near post, and uh, we're gonna come on to your boy fucking Scott wearing a baseball hat in gold. Yeah. God bless it. Uh, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Anyhow, I don't oh, care yeah, how hip hop you are. I don't care how hip hop you are. At least it was a Spurs hat. That's all. I'd rather see him in sunglasses than a, than that's a cap. Fair. That's a very fair point. Anyhow, I think I um, think he just wanted the sun out of his eyes, boys. I think that's what right. that was. We're just <laughs> don't get me wrong. Anyway, um, uh, don't don't fucking talk about Galini, bud. I'm telling you, you, cover your fucking near post, and I won't bring up your name. Uh, <laughs> so, second thing is. Uh, <laughs> the second thing is is that uh, they in the second half, it was professional foul after professional foul after yes. professional foul after kind of non-professional foul and then some more professional fouling. There was no rhythm in the second half for Spurs because we got bullied. We got beat up. And Nuno saw it, realized they had nothing else going forward after he got beat at the back said, okay, let's pack it in and let's give a bunch more kids their chance today. And I respected the hell out of that. The fact that he didn't try to salvage this leg of the football match, like, that made me smile. And it's not like he had the people available on the bench to do so, but it made me smile that he stuck to the game plan. Scott, Scott, was there anyone that stood out to you as actually being good in this match for Spurs? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this before I answer your question, I'm going to, but I think to elaborate on Todd really quickly, and the day we accidentally qualified for this competition, in my opinion, right, the last day of the season, we were on a podcast together, and I was like, you know what, fuck, I didn't want it, we have it, play the fucking kids, and even if we get knocked out in the first round, play the goddamn kids. So, like Todd said, I don't fucking care, that's why I said, like, I'm fucking around earlier today, whatever. Play him again in, in England. Now, to answer your question... A few guys did actually stand out to me. Sessegnon, he didn't play like phenomenally well, but he wanted the ball and he was like taking the game up on his back and said, fuck it. Like looking around me, I better step up right now. I just had a great season at Hoffenheim. I am a, you know, I am a top tier player. Let me take the game by the scruff of the neck and see what I can do. And again, again, a really good side. So I really like seeing that from him. And I think it was really promising. Um, I don't think Romero looked as bad as, and I'm not talking about Todd at all, just what I've seen on the internet and things like that. People are kind of roasting him a little bit. I think it's stupid. I think we all know that we weren't playing Premier League football today, right? But I do think anytime you're coming from Syria, 
especially the Premier League, and that's all another conversation. But even today, when you when you are coming from Syria to anywhere else, it's a very different game. Premier League and Syria are probably the most different games of of any games in Europe, and they also contrast pretty heavily. So, um, you know, he'll need to bet in. Is my point, and I'm not worried about him at all. I think he's he's going to be a hell of a player. Um, I think. You know, seeing Dane Scarlett just play as fearlessly as he did was very promising. And I don't think anyone should have expected him to, like, you know, bang a couple goals in today against, like Todd said, a very, very talented, you know, premier, uh, what do they call it? Is it Liga Nas? I was going to say Premier League or whatever it used to be. Yeah, Premier um, Liga. Liga Nas. Yeah, whatever it is. The Portuguese but, League is how I call it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, but a good side, right? Um, and, uh, and yeah, so th- I will say this. No one, like, flew off the page to me, but seeing young guys fearlessly dive into a European competition and show that they wanted minutes was really promising to me. And I really think, back to my original point of this, this rant, that's all we can ask for, right? Giving the kids a chance and having them step up and, and play without fear. Because at this point, it's not about talent. It's about building confidence and betting them up to, to – believing in themselves to, to become a good enough player to play at the top level. And so, yeah, it's good stuff. I, I think your point about playing the kids and, and quote unquote, not really caring about this competition is interesting too, because I think there's a lot of people who do feel that way. It's a, a third rate, third tier European competition that is, is obviously new this season. There's a lot of teams in it that you've either never heard of or don't really care about. There are a couple here and there that you've heard of, for example, Roma, um, but overall that it's just, it's, it's not something that has a real end of the rainbow to it. You know, if you won the Europa league last year, that gives you a birth to the champions league. If you win this yeah. Europa conference league, it gives you a birth to the Europa league, which is nice, but you feel pretty confident about yourself that you can at least qualify for the Europa league through premier league play. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who may not care about this competition on the same token, there's a lot of people who think this is a competition that spurs because the competition around them is so weak that they could win this thing and that they, this could be a trophy finally after how many years? Todd's making fart noises with his mouth. Which we I, won a trophy. That it's answers- called the Audi Cup. I don't know why everybody's right. so fucking stressed about it. We won the Audi we Cup. Won the we won the Champions Cup, too. I saw that. I don't know didn't we just win the mind games a few weeks ago too? Or I mean, we? this is what I'm saying. So, no, honest to goodness, people don't celebrate third rate like the Inter Toto Cup. At I West agree. Ham. I agree with you, Todd. I, th- I was just making the point that there are people out there who will, who would say this is something to win, and I'm why not? Win. Why not go win something that actually matters? Is what I. Say. I want to make this simple point, which is. The year that Chelsea under Conte won the Premier League and we got second, we were gallivanting all over Europe trying to win a Champions League. We made it to the quarterfinals and we lost to Juve. And Chelsea sat on their hands and trained and rested all midweek, played the kids in all the cups. Oh, all they cared about was the league. And it gave them the opportunity to focus in on that. And that really sent, like, when you win a league and it it sets something in motion that changes everything. For sure. You win a Europa Conference League and it gets you into the Europa League next year. 
Right. So my point, my point here is if we could, and I've been saying this for years, when you have a depleted squad or you only have a, a, a handful of players that you can defend on rotationally, like bowing out on a competition like this early is not the worst thing in the world. No, and it's it's a fair point. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I'm not yeah. trying to go to Zelinia for the next match. <laughs> Or you know, and, and worry about is it, worry about somebody it, like like Doherty getting hurt, and then all of a sudden we don't have a rotational right back. Right? Isn't the final mm-hmm. in like Azerbaijan or something? I d- d- sure. Yeah. I, no one cares. Um. Well, go ahead, Scott. No, I just gonna say I I I think that's exactly what I was like. I guess looking to build off eventually when I said play the kids again in England. Who who gives a shit? Because I think. This competition was built for, like, if we want to keep it Premier League-centric, like Crystal Palace to start getting some European trips in and things like that, you know, or or even, like, hell, like, someday you have, a like, some miracle, like, Brentford gets there and gets in this European competition, right? Like, it wasn't designed for Spurs to underperform to hell and then end up in this fucking stupid thing, right? So, it um, you know, and, and I don't want to scoff at European football because it is that, but again, who gives a shit? If we end up focusing on the Premier League and the FA Cup and even giving the kids a run in the League Cup, I don't care. But like right now, we need to build something. And if we only were focusing on the Premier League, I think there's an argument to be made that we could build something and sneak top four, which would be a hell of a fucking, op- you know, uh, achievement this year for the squad, I think. You you, so you said it was European competition. Spurs were, were not wearing white shorts like they normally do in Europe. There were no patches on the shoulder. It felt yeah. more like a preseason match to me. It was, a it was weird than a yeah. European match. It was really watching weird. it, yeah. it did not. It did not have a, a European feel whatsoever. It didn't even really feel like a Europa League match. It felt mm-hmm. actually like a a lower tier than a Europa League match, which is really saying something. Um, I mean, do, do we'll you see think if it has that like... same. We'll see if it has that same feel next Thursday in London. I, I don't know that it will because I think it's a bigger stadium. You'll probably have a few more fans than than we're in. Although I'll be honest, the the Portuguese they fans were they were loud and and it, they seemed into it and and there was a a spirit there. It's just it, it was it was a very awkward. It it felt like I said more like a preseason game to me. Um, yeah. And and Spurs frankly tended to play it more like it was a preseason game. I wanted to get on to before we even talk about next week. A lot of kids played in this game, sure. There were also a lot of veterans. We're talking about Ben Davis. We're talking about, even though he's, I think, only 23, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Matt Doherty, Giovanni Lascelso, Harry Winks. Um, of those guys, I thought Ben Davis and Giovanni Lascelso were actually okay. Ben Davis were in the armband. I thought they were fine. They weren't great. They were fine. The other ones, I, I, I just feel like no, thank you. I don't want to see them anymore. I don't need to see Cameron Carter Vickers run out there. Uh, if they're going to send him on his 1900th loan, sure, no, why not? No, they'll sell him permanently. I think so the, too. The domestic window. Matt Doherty. This just kind of check the box on that. I think. I think. I think Doherty, so too. Doherty yeah. is going to be around because he's going to be around. But the Harry Winks thing for me. I mean, it's I'm not. I'm not saying one goal, one game solidified it. But my goodness, like, why are why are they keeping that guy around at this point? Well, especially, I mean, and I've got to bring this up because it's part of the zeitgeist, right? A hometown kid 
yeah. a kid who's been with the club since he was five years old, mm-hmm. unfollowed the club on all the social medias today. But look at the difference between a hometown, yeah. hometown kid like Harry Winks who gets a start in this game where he should be able to be on the level to boss this game, frankly. I mean, we're talking about, like you said, the fifth place team in Portugal versus a hometown kid like Jaffa, kid like Jaffa Tanganga who goes out against Man City last weekend and absolutely runs shit and is the man of the match for me. Well, listen. I mean. I, I, so it's a it's different. You, you, they're not apples to apples. They're One, not. But Jaffa but, Tanganga is a different breed of, of human being, and, and I mean that. I don't. He's a, he's a wild guy, and to hear him talk, it's very very cool. But at this but Harry, point, Harry don't you Wings think had, Harry Wings had a shine? No, I know he had a shine. Shouldn't I mean, he have kicked on at this point? Shouldn't he have like no, well, the done something? Is, well, here's my problem: is that Harry Winks is not a CDM. He's never been a CDM. When he was coming up to the academy, he was always a camp. Always, always, always a camp. He was. And the thing is, is that that's why at the beginning of last season, when he had been playing rotationally as a deeper-lying midfielder, because we had all the injuries and we didn't buy anybody for two windows, Andrew. Mm -hmm. That's why I said at the beginning of last season, oh, we can finally – I'm excited to see what Harry Winks can do with the opportunity to be a little bit more offensive-minded because uh, uh, the the previous manager liked those kind of like 6-8 hybrid combos. He didn't do shit. He looked terrible. And the thing is, is that everybody's expecting Harry Winks, like, like I think that he's the guy that took the biggest L from all the turmoil that's gone on from Pochettino to Mourinho to, to, to now Nuno. And to be honest with you, I think, unfortunately, his level has settled. And as I've said on, 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 on in previous iterations of, of uh, you know, podcasts similar to this, is that that guy is, is Scott Parker. He's, he's been Scott Parker. He's always going to be Scott Parker. And he needs to go to Fulham and have a great career. Well, Honestly, my, my buddy Ben Prinster, definitely a fan of the show and been, you know, good conversation today with you if you're listening. But the I, I mentioned that Harry Winks was the prime example of what happens when you don't invest in the squad and don't have competition in a squad. Like he, for an entire season, he had to start him and Sissoko. And who are the two guys that have totally fucking fallen off the cliff? Winks and Sissoko. It's like that's exactly what happens when you don't have competition in training. And Harry Winks, I think, was a huge, huge victim of us not investing in the squad. I think he could have been a lot more. I don't think he was ever going to be world class, but he has totally fallen off the level that he was at when he was bossing the Bernabeu, you know, three years ago or whatever it was. And granted, that's one game. And, you know, I think about Jack Wilshire and, you know, his performance at Barcelona and all that shit. And, whatever else, but I still think that he could have been a lot more than what we're seeing right now had he had some competition around him for 18 months there. Yeah, I mean, if you if you remember, Andrew, he uh, he got his England cap as a as an attacking midfielder. He scored on yeah. debut as an attacking I, midfielder. I just don't even think he has those skills anymore. I don't think he I don't think so either. And I think it's one level. of those things where and, and this point was made on a on, on another show, but I, I think it's important to to bring up here is that where you really saw the decrease in Harry Winks' game is when uh Musa Sissoko was moved or I'm sorry, Musa Dembele was moved on from the club. And yeah. I really think that the Dembele kind of teaching Winks to be that kind of ball at your feet midfielder. is really where you saw him at his best. And, you know, since then, we've seen a massive regression. 
And, and that really does, in my opinion, have a lot to do with the fact that, as Scott mentioned, he didn't have competition. And he was, by and large, being asked to play out of position and just be that kind of jack-of-all midfielders for us uh, to, to help us get through. And he took a lot of stick from a lot of people who he thought were in his corner. And I don't think that his confidence is the same as it was two, three years ago. Um, I, I don't think necessarily that his body's run down. I don't think that his skills have necessarily decreased. I just think that he's been kind of pigeonholed by fans and by, by uh, you know, people at the club as being a certain guy. And I, I don't necessarily think that Harry Winks is going to get a fair shake again unless he moves on to another organization. It's fair. Uh, before we get out of here, guys, looking at ahead to next week, um, do, do you see Nuno Espirito Santo throwing out a more senior team to actually try to win this tie? Or do you think he goes right back to the well with what we saw today and just kind of hope for the best? Scott? I hope he does what he does today. And I I think... So you guys are just indicating that you really do kind of want Spurs to just bow out of this competition before it even gets Uh, to the group stages. Listen, I was listening listening to the commentary... And uh, and they were just obviously they people love <laughs> British football announcers love to rag on Spurs. So these guys were talking about you know Spurs it wouldn't be the worst thing if they went out of this competition. They certainly want to, don't want to do so before the group stages. And uh, I, I don't give a single solitary fuck if they run out the ladies team next Wednesday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Ferreira. I don't care. I don't care. Now, in in so saying, I love watching Spurs. So, of course, I hope that they put out a team that's going to win that match because I don't like to watch Spurs lose. Um, what do I want to happen? What Scott wants to happen? I want him to put out the kids, say, hey, the, you got us here. Now, figure it out. You're at home, Dane Scarlett, Janiel Bennett, who I love to see come on. That's my guy. Yeah. And uh, Brian Heal. You got our fans. They're singing your name. Let's uh, let's figure out a way to battle back from from one goal down against lesser competition. We're fucking Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the thing that's obvious though is that if there were two to three more players for Spurs, regular players, it's it's really no contest because it wasn't like you know Spurs certainly got beat up and down the midfield, but it, it was obvious because they were playing a, a lesser team. I mean, they were playing a not even a B team. It was really a, a C team that they were playing out there with a lot of guys who haven't played together and haven't, you know, haven't had time to bet in. And I mean, to your point on Romero, Todd, the guy arrived a week and a half ago he's um, not fit. and he's not fit. And he's playing alongside, you know, Ben Davis and Cameron Carter Vickers and in fucking a three Niall John in a back five. And, what? and, and he's got Harry Winks in front of him. And like, yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people worried about Romero and I'm like, and, 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 you know, the title of this episode is jokingly a, a worry about Romero, but we're not really worried about Romero. Let's just make that clear. Like yeah. it's listen, if anything, and you made the point in the chat, Andrew was that uh, Romero is going to do that in a, in a premier league game. And it's going to cost us three points. Yeah. And what I would say is I'm really, really glad that it happened in uh, this iteration of the UCL, if you will, um, <laughs> instead of uh, instead of on on Sunday against Wolves. Um, I'm also awesome. glad. I'm also glad that, uh, that that he got some minutes yeah. because he needs to get fit and he needs to play games. Um, 
I hope that he's, I hope that we see the exact same back four. I can't fucking believe I'm saying this right now. I hope that we see the exact same back four <laughs> that we saw last Sunday <clears throat> and, uh, and uh, against Wolves. And I hope that Romero uh, starts again um, next uh, Thursday uh, 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 against the Portuguese folks uh, next Wednesday. I really do. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much where I'm at as well. Uh, yep. and, and, and it's not that I think that will happen. Cause I actually think that Nuno will throw out a few more I know actual players next weekend. We'll God probably win next week's tie three nil. God damn it. Um, I know. because no. you'll probably get the chance to do it though. I really hope so. I just don't know if that's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I agree with you guys. Wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we got like a Lucas sighting or a Steven Bergvine. It wouldn't or surprise me if we got a Gentleman Sun sighting. I, I don't know if he goes. I don't, Ooh, know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a home. It's, it's home. It's not like you've got to send a bunch of guys, uh, you know, out of the country to do it. They may be on the bench. They may be on but the we, bench and may come off, come on yeah. after 70 minutes. If it's, if, if, if they're up, you know, if you're up one nil and you need that second goal to push the tie over the top, that's something you may don't see. Know. Yeah, I also still don't know that we know how Nuno likes to use his subs fully yet, and I I don't think that we have a clear cut vision. Like, but, but by the end of the last two regimes, like we can we can tell you who is coming off the bench. Yeah, before they even got out of it'll out take of, a while to figure that out. What was interesting yeah. about today's match too is that you you got to use five subs. He only used three. Part of that is because he brought a, a ton of teenagers, and mm-hmm. none of them were really making. They were, yeah, none of them were really making a difference. And to, to to points that both of you guys have made, you want to get guys like Brian Hill, Romero. You want to get them ninety minutes under their legs so they can come back and do it again next week and build that fitness and build their legs up and and be ready to go in a Premier League match here probably after the international break, which Whoa. comes up in, in like another two and a half weeks. And I think yeah. one thing we we had. We had to look at our squad depth right now, and some of why I also say play the kids again, give them a chance to get out of this hole, and if you don't, then fuck it. Because if, if I look at the squad that played against City, and then you add Cudi Romero, you add Ben Davies, you add Sessegnon. Uh, Sessegnon for sure. You probably actually add Dane Scarlett. You probably add Brian Heal. Actually, you definitely do. Um, and LaCelso. And yeah, sure. Let's sell so for sure. And maybe a Nile John. We'll see. But if you add those guys into that mix, that's a decent little squad, you know, based on what we saw on Sunday. And we probably need a striker. But to my, I think my point is, do we have the squad depth to even fucking play in this competition without these kids? And that's why you let them run it. I, I think you're right about that. I mean, to your point, a lot of those guys, guys you just named were at least on the bench on Sunday. Heck, LaCelso mm-hmm. came on. Um and even even Cudi Romero came on late in that match. So those guys are already in the squad. It's just a matter of building them fitness to be able to go uh, as as more than subs. So that's something that's going to take a few weeks, and it's going to take. We, you know, we still have a, a little little bit of matter of a transfer window to close here in another what is it, fourteen, fifteen days or something like that as well. So these yeah, are all so, things that are that are going to have to happen. So I think you look at our our squad that played against City and our squad that played today, and you say. I have a squad for Premier League and FA Cup, and I have a squad for Conference League and League Cup, and whatever happens, happens. 
and we're going to continue yeah. to like rebuild this thing, you know? Yeah, um, I really don't hate that. I mean, Nuno's been fair. very adamant about the fact that we're building something here. This is far from a finished product. Everybody's still mm-hmm. trying to get vetted in. And like, I really appreciate the fact that, well, I don't know, maybe that's the lament of being a Tottenham fan. Like, I really like the look of this project, Andrew. And um, I'm, I'm very, we're I'm in very, the fucking cycle, bud. We're very appreciative it. to how committed to the project and, and how committed to the fans that this head coach and his team seem to be. Like, dude, it's the same shit. And so, <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just a glee, gleefully uh, hopeful at this stage uh, of of the uh, of the project. Um, so gleefully no. hopeful after a one nil loss is, is, is not a bad place to be when you're playing the kids. Dane Scarlett wore 44 in his back, dude. That was rad. That made me happy. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he played a little scared. Um, and I'm, but I'm glad he got these minutes because the, those guys used to, there was some pretty nasty stuff that was going on in the box today. I don't know. Yeah. If you, I don't know if you saw that, man. It was very professional by that, by those Portuguese fellows. That European football is no joke. Those that oh, dude, and the and the the uh, the, the referees had zero sympathy uh, for <laughs> for uh, the, for the, 18, the young English gentlemen's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> protests. It's true. Yeah, Dane Scarlett true. literally turned around at one point in time and said, "Every time he comes near me, it's a foul." And the referee just looked at him and was like, shoulders, just all shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we'll have more opportunities to talk about the, the growing and expanding squad depth, which hopefully will grow and expand, like I said, maybe through a little bit of a, a transfer action here over the next uh, couple of weeks. But um, more on that later. Uh, that's it for these boys. Uh, after the break, I talked to Paul from whole lot of wolves podcast to preview the weekend. You can follow Scott at DSM Spurs, follow Todd at TC underscore Cachot. uh, wolves preview coming up right after the break. Goalkeepers shouldn't wear baseball caps. Welcome back to the Tottenham Depot podcast. Andrew here, and I'm joined by Paul from the Whole Lot of Wolves podcast to preview this Sunday's matchup at the Molyneux. Paul, how's it going? Yeah, good, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, we are quickly growing fond at Tottenham of, of your boy Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, what's the feeling of Wolves fans toward Nuno after his departure, and why didn't it work out for him to stay there longer? I think for most fans, they'll always have that love of Nuno that, he was the coach that took us to heights that many of us had never seen. So we've always got that, but it's kind of that um, feeling now of trying to draw a, a line under the sand somewhat in that he took us that far and now we've parted ways. It's time to concentrate and, and move forwards. Why it didn't work out? Good question. I think there's a lot of mitigating factors potentially might have gone on behind the scenes. Um, whether he felt the pressure somewhat, not entirely sure, but it seems very somewhat calculated move by the ownership in that they thought that even with what went on last year in terms of the pandemic, Raul Jimenez's injury, everything that went with it, that, 13th was not good enough and that's ultimately what cost him his job so it did come out that it was very much the board's influence it wasn't a mutual 
parting of the ways and, and and with all of that i think there could be a an undercurrent of something that went on that, that we'll never be privy to that's fair that's fair i you know it, and, and those things happen obviously moving forward as you said is what what wolves want to do what are the kind of the aspirations and i guess the expectations now for wolves in terms of you know the the Premier League and 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 where they would expect a place, and even as far as as Europe. I mean, Nuno's a guy who who got you guys into Europe. But are there aspirations of that in the short term future, or is that more of a long term goal? I think long term goal. No, no one really knows with Bruno Large. It could be a complete masterstroke, and we could go one better than what Nuno did. Um, you'd think if that's the move that the board wanted to to make, then that would be the, the target that's been placed on Bruno Large, but that's a heck of an expectation to place upon someone who's got a tiny body of work from Portugal, really, in the grand scheme of things, to say that you're going to come into uh, a relatively still inexperienced Premier League club and take them comfortably into the top half and challenging for those places. So, uh, for me, I, I would be comfortable with that, that mid-place mediocrity just to really establish ourselves. If he's going to change anything around, we, we kind of have a season to bed in and, and get all of those parts in and settled. I think every team from 6th to 12th to 15th always has that aspiration of, well, let's just stay in the Premier League and maybe we have a cup run. And I think that's what a lot of Wolves fans would take for this year, simply because we're going into the unknown and don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and and unfortunately for a Spurs fan, we're feeling some of that right now as well. Just just hang around mid table and hope for a cup run. Uh, but uh, you know, after watching Wolves in the opening week of the season suffer that one nil defeat to Leicester, uh, you know, I, I watched that match. I, I felt like they had much of the better of the play. How how are Wolves fans feeling after that result and after the start of the season? It it kind of looks to me like they're playing a, a similar style as to how they, they played under Nuno. Is that about right? I think what Bruno Large has found and what has been encouraging somewhat is that he's come in and for whatever reason, he's had to work with Nuno's players. So we've heard a bunch this, this close season, during preseason, this transfer window, that it's going to be a late one. The Euros have impacted on that. The Olympics have impacted on that. We might have to sell to buy. So some of those parts haven't quite worked out yet. We've still got effectively two weeks, the window to go. So I think as far as that goes, it's been refreshing that Large has looked at it and said, I don't want to rip up the manuscript because... I haven't necessarily got the players that can play the way and the formation and, and the setup that I want. So very much on Saturday in the first half, it was a five at the back and there did seem a lot of parallels with what we were playing under Nuno. But what's been a marked difference is our physical output. And by that, it means more of a, a higher press, more running, more shots, which... I think even in a 1-0 loss, just to have the, the body of play that we did and the attempts on goal, that was a brush of fresh air compared to last year. So that was a distinct positive. Even to the extent of Adama Traore playing in somewhat of a different position, had more of a ball in more dangerous areas and should have got at least one goal. So 
there were some positives, I think maybe some green shoots from that second half performance to, to indicate that we might be okay this season. No, there's no question about it. And, and hearing, hearing you talk about more of a press and more shots from Wolves, that makes me nervous as a Spurs fan because obviously that's something that, that they seem like they are always able to pull off anyway, uh, especially against Spurs. Um, but when it comes to Wolves, I, I know everybody must be excited about the return of, of, of Raul Jimenez after his his head injury last year. Um, we know that Wolves have a new goalkeeper as well. That's one of the changes that they've already made. Um, what other changes at, at Wolves have been made and, and who else should Spurs fans be aware of ahead of Sunday's match? So far, our, our marquee coup really was bringing in Trincao on loan with a... Uh, obligation from Barcelona so we still we still kind of light in the forward areas um we've had Neto out for an injury which looks like it's well extending now into the season uh Daniel Podence is still out from a, an injury from the back end of last season so we still light in those forward areas so Trincao is coming in pro- predominantly right-sided showed up a lot better in the second half uh, against Leicester when he was somewhat more inverted and started to pick up some play with Jimenez in and around the box. So that looked quite promising. So, yeah, you're right. Apart from him and the goalkeeper, and you really say, well, as long as the goalkeeper's a like-for-like replacement, that's what you'll be be happy with in terms of replacement there. It, it's very much those same parts. Um, so it is more of a case of seeing how large is going to tweak it and maybe play to some of their strengths a little bit more than Nuno did. And one of those players, I would say, who will need a big game on the weekend if we're to get anything out of it is Ruben Neves. So having him on the ball more, probably playing 10 or 15 yards in front of what he was used to under Nuno, I think that could make a big difference and where a big part of our creativity could come from. Well, and I'll throw this one at you too. You mentioned him earlier, but Adama Traore, a lot of rumors in the past 24, 36 hours or so about a possible move to Spurs and, and, and joining Nuno. Um, you mentioned earlier too, a, you know, a, a potential that Wolves will need to sell to buy it. Obviously you guys wouldn't want to lose Traore. He's one of your, your best attacking wingers, but is that a player that you feel like for the kind of money that's being talked about would be the potential sell to buy? Or, or is that a guy that you really just want to hold on to um, and, and kind of, kind of build that value in and, and, and maybe look down the line or, or do you think it might be, might be that time to pull the trigger there? It's a tricky one with Traore, especially around timing because he's, getting close to two years away from his contract expiry. So the value that we could get for him now probably isn't as high based on COVID and the economy and the the knock-on effect that that's had with transfers that it would have been at the end of, not last season, but the previous one where he scaled the heights of what Adama Traore can do. It does. We've heard a bunch of rumours all through pre-season that probably Neves, if someone of the right calibre came in for him, if Traore, again, someone of the right calibre came in for him, they would be up for sale. And I think for both of those players, it's had to be, it would be a team that are playing in the Champions League. I think what's happened is that that market's not been there for whatever reason. So, 
it could end up, and I think most Wolves fans would be pretty delighted that at the end of the transfer window, we've still got both of them. And I think we'll be, we'll be lucky if that happens. But to that same extent, well, if a sizable bid did come in for a Troy or a, say, £40 million, what does that open up? Are you, are you still getting two players in and some chains that could be put in other areas that would benefit the team as a whole? So it's kind of, it's more the sum of the moving parts is better than that one whole. So I think with, with Troy out the two of them, there seems a little bit more flexibility that if he goes, that's where the, the, the major money may come in and that's what may give us some more flexibility if we have to make some moves based on the existing squad. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I know exactly what you're feeling right now with you know the market kind of being depressed by COVID and everything. Spurs are feeling it with Harry Kane. So it's it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Paul, all of that said, what are your expectations going into this one on Sunday? It's always entertaining when these two teams meet up, especially in Wolverhampton. I mean, wh- what do you, what as a Wolves fan, what are, what are you guys expecting? We've got a tough start. Obviously, Leicester away first game of the season, now Spurs and then Manchester United back to back at home. I think as a, a, a fan, it's a tricky one. We You want three points at some stage to try and get off to a start, but I don't see that coming in those first three games. So I think if we get a point on Sunday, personally, I think that'd be a good result. If we're able to match that and, and not lose to Man United the following week, I think it will have been a pretty good start. So if you give me a point now on Sunday, I'm, I'm taking it. Absolutely. I hear that. Uh, Paul, where can folks follow you on social media and where can they follow the podcast, Whole Lot of Wolves, if they're interested in, in finding out more? Sure. We're in our second season now. So Whole Lot of Wolves is a North American based podcast. I'm just outside of Houston along with my co-host, Josh. So I'll bring the Wolfhampton accent. He brings the American accent. So we've got a nice double act going on, but we're across the social media WLWPod on Twitter. Same goes on Facebook. And we've also got our website, which is wholelotofwolves.com. Awesome, Paul. Thanks so much for joining. And, uh, you know, I, I would say good luck on Sunday, but I don't really mean it. <laughs> yeah, best, that's but, right. but, but best to you guys the rest of the season. Likewise, Ditto. Thanks, Andrew. That's going to do it for this edition of the Tottenham Depot podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. If you'd like to reach out to us via email, you can also do that via Tottenham Depot at gmail.com. Please leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice as well. That really helps. We'll talk to you again on Sunday following the match against Wolves. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.